Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host. Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, we're going to be talking about an important topic that's really been strong with me lately since your dad died, because I have so many possessions, so many things, so much moving, doing things. And we're going to talk about what to do with managing those possessions after a loss. And we have a real expert on it. Do you want to introduce her, Heidi? I do. And I know Rachel well, because she's been on our show and we're on the TAPS advisory board together as are you mom, Rachel Kadana. So as I said, she's been on our show before. We're going to talk about managing possessions after loss. Rachel is an open to hope writer. She lost her husband when she was only in her early thirties and she is a best-selling author and has written phenomenal books. She's written Finding Peace, One Piece at a Time, What to Do with Yours and Your Loved One's Possessions. She's written Living with Loss, One Day at a Time, and Grief in the Workplace. Um, so we're going to talk about this. And she is also on or was on the Soaring Spirits International Advisory Board. She's on their advisory board. She's very busy in the grief and loss space and always reminding us that there is hope after loss. And welcome to the show, Rachel. Well, thank you. And I'm so excited to be with you guys. We've been together for so many years and it just seems like yesterday that we met, but forever that we've been part of a family together. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about this. I mean, managing possessions after loss. I remember after my dad died, my mother, um, after a couple of years, connected up with an old boyfriend from high school. He wanted her to marry him. And she said, I can't. His house is filled with all this stuff and he doesn't want to get rid of any of it. And he and his wife traveled all the time. And, and you know, I just don't know what to do about it. He wants me to move in with all this stuff and I, I, I just can't do it. Have you heard that? Oh, yeah, I've heard it all. And I've heard that he's the biggest one of that because like we're widowed. So we get it is that she's you're she's still into her husband. Well, I think she's going to be into her husband forever because one, it's the father of her child, but it's also it's who we are. I mean, it, it grew where we are who we are because of that marriage and that loss that's associated with it. But I do hear that all the time. And I've got some ideas for people. And when I do my presentations, they're little tiny takeaways. And I started talking on this. Um, as Heidi was shared that I was been part of Soaring Spirits and specifically Camp Widow since the beginning of when they started. And we did this program called Cleaning Out the Closets. And the reason why I wanted to share that was people would come up to me and say, I have already cleaned out their closet. That bad choice of words on us as the event chairs, because cleaning means we're getting rid of. So what I try to start with is start with a different terminology because it's sorting, thinning, and repurposing. Wow, that right there is a whole different reframe. So what I really felt with, and then we changed the name of that. The next thing we did was we changed it from heirlooms to underwear, what to do with your possessions. And that changed the trajectory and changed the, the people that came to the program because it was deeper than the closets. You're a man cleaning out a woman's closet, and I don't mean to go any kind of relationship on, on you. There's 40 pairs of black slacks. There is no emotional connection to one pair of those black slacks because your person said to you, how can you have that many? Well, you got to have it with this shoe, that shoe, whatever, right? But if you go after the items that have meaning and, and all those that are just space, that's what thinning is. Thin out everything that you're not emotionally connected to. When you really are in the middle of doing this, the words like sorting, thinning, and repurposing make great sense. Yeah, yeah, they do. 
Absolutely. And when my husband passed away two and a half years ago, I sold one a house that we had, uh, a summer house, and I asked them to go down and clean it out. I didn't want to do it. That was our place. I'd been down there, you know, um, he liked it better than I did. And I'm like, hey, guys, go down and do it. You know, mom, I think that you're making a good point, though. That house in Carmel was my father. It He loved it down there. It was so him. And I can only imagine how hard it would be to go back into that space. Um, and so my two sisters did this. They called me while they were doing it. And they said it was very emotional, extremely emotional, because, it, you know, his little things like his eyeglasses. You know, it's the little things that he, the everyday things that really got to them. So with, with that is like, you know, when I do these presentations, I talk about, for me, my late husband's name is Rod, a Rod box. And there's certain, you don't have to discard everything. You don't, you get to create whatever you want as a shrine, as a memorial. And I have a plastic box and in there, I have items such as Rod's glasses. I don't need five pairs mm -hmm. of glasses one pair of glasses. I have his passport, wasn't really, really willing to shred it. It doesn't matter what you have in there. I have the phone book of, because remember, we used to have phone books and, mm -hmm. was in it, and it was the last time our name was in a phone book together, probably the last phone book that was printed as well. But I just have stuff in there. And when I open it, I could smell him. I could touch him. I can feel him. Can I really do that? Uh, who knows? I, I, I get to spin the story. So, so you've got a memory box that you put these things in. Correct. And you know what? And if people don't want it, if my next generation doesn't want it or any of his siblings, it's okay. I pared down to what means something to me and or items that I like that weren't worthy of selling, recycling, trash, goodwill. I, I just, there was just stuff I had to hold on to. Uh-huh. Yeah. Things that you can't get rid of. And then as the years go on, you kind of can sort some of those things out too, the things that you can't early get, you know, rid of. So for your listeners, because, you know, it's not black and white. It really isn't because it's in your heart and you get to choose. People can push you. People could tell you what you should and shouldn't do, but it's about you, what you're connected to. And mine was, you know, my daughter was two and my husband passed away. And the last night they were together, he put her to bed and she never went back in her crib. And I couldn't get rid of the crib. I never had another child. I remarried. I moved to three different, I physically moved my house three times and that crib went with me. Mm -hmm. And I, it, I'm telling you this only because your listeners get to know that it doesn't, you don't necessarily know what the item is that you can't release. Where, where's the crib now, Rachel? Let's just say this. It was a one second release when a woman that I was working with, I started a grief and loss center in Denver. It's called Heartlight Center with a with a colleague that was, that was just a wonderful woman and she her she came in one day and she goes my daughter's pregnant and I'm like I got it and the reason why I had it to give to her was because it was a piece of rod I wouldn't have started a grief and loss center what do I do if I get into a new relationship and I've got all this stuff from the old one and I don't just mean clothes and things I'm talking about little Chotskys you know little statues maybe some um pictures you know that that I you know I can't take all this stuff into a new relationship but you can and that's the thing that we have to work through emotionally because you're taking your mother's stuff 
to why you had all those years with your late husband, not to mention he's the father of your four children. That mm -hmm. is a part of who you are. You have your grandparents' silver that you might be using. You have your grandparents' whatever. So why can't you take your late husband? Because it's not like you are one or the other. You, it was a part of who you are. It's your makeup. You don't have to take it all. Like I don't have the pictures on the mantle or by the bed of my late husband, but I sure as heck have them on the wall of fame. Uh-huh. <laughs> the wall of fame. Tell me about fame in our house. Yeah. So it's in the office. So I love it. If what I'm saying is that why why does a tchotchke, why does it matter where it came from? If it came from your late husband or if it came from Heidi, mm -hmm. it's part of your and your family's makeup. Do the kids need to be involved or, you know, when I get rid of his stuff? Or no, but I do have to, you have to change your word clear out and get rid of. When you sort through your husband's stuff in the room, do your kids have to be the present? Isn't that a much different way of saying it? Yes, yes. Up to them, up to them. Yeah. This is what I tell people. Well, I, I would think it would be complicated if your kids are there because I think what if, you know, some people want things kept, other people want things purged, yeah. other people want things, you know. Heidi, you want to take it. Well, that's a good want point. It, take it. You, it's yours now. And at a point that you don't want it, you get to throw it out for consumption. And if nobody else wants it, then you get to decide where it's resting places. And what if what if two people want the same thing? Um, you know the book Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants. Yeah. Those four girls use the yes, where they Okay, they, so we do that. We're kind of slow. My mom died 17 years ago, and the first Thanksgiving after she died, my dad, he was just he had to get he had it. He had to get rid of it, clear up. He didn't have to sort and thin. He had to just, just he just emotionally couldn't handle, you know, my mom being around um, after her after she passed. So first Thanksgiving we were together, he dumped a lot of stuff on the dining room table. And there's five of us. And we went and ordered age. Age always wins. We went in order of age. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> took something. And when we got to something that we saw a little like pout, we went into the, the travel, the sisterhood of the traveling pants and said that you get the earrings this six months. And next time you come visit me or next time we get together for something, bring me the earrings. It, it'll die, oh, I love it. It'll die down. It'll die down after <laughs> a while. But at the beginning, it's something that's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a solution. Ooh, and sometimes mm -hmm. it's a sister-in-law. There's a lot Thanks. of angst with this. I mean, of course. you guys have relationships that you could say, you know, mom come on you know but not everybody has those kind well, of relationships rachel i think you also have to be careful because sometimes early on in our grief we may decide we don't want something and then later regret that we got rid of it huge and i huge and all those and you guys are in new york so you don't have a lot of space a lot no. of people in your listeners do have space mm -hmm. and so all those friends that say to you whether they're in new york or whether they're at a big house or they're they have a basement or garage and they say what can i do for you could you do me a favor? Could you store this box for a year? Because I'm not ready to make a decision. Because mm -hmm. everybody says, what can I do for you? There's lots of things that they could do for you. I like that. Okay. You don't have to make decisions. Ladies, I have an answer. Like, Because I've been doing this for a while. And I use a lot of pushback. There's some siblings that are thrower-outers. That's a term. There's other ones that are keepers. And it's, there's a lot of conflict with that. And a third person that asks the specific questions, do we need all of that? You know, like, so let's just go with coats for a minute. 
we live in colder climates. We've got way too many coats. I remember when totally. I used to say, I've had this coat for 20 years. And I'm like, how can you have a coat for 20 years? I could probably say that I have some of my winter coats that I wear once a winter, if even that, for 20 years, right? So what I'm what I'm saying is that you could pick a particular item like coats and said, there's a lot of people out there that can, would be great for them to have coats. So why don't we each keep one of mom's coats and then let's mm -hmm. donate the other ones and help people that are less fortunate than we are. So there's yep. ways of spinning it. You don't have to get rid of all, that's that thinning word. You don't have to get rid of all the coats, but get rid of grid. I used to see what you did to me. I got thin out, thin <laughs> out some of the stuff. Okay, so what if I have some valuable items and I and some of them are, you know, that I've had for years and years and and they've gone up in value and maybe a, a lithograph. I, I have an lithograph that it turns out to be quite valuable because the person became famous and has died. So what do I do about things that actually cost, you know, that that are a money concern if you have a number of kids? and you're downsizing and you really don't have the room for those certain paintings or whatever or like myself I'm with uh, another partner and I and he's an artist and I would like to have some of his things in the house so I want to give some of mine to the kids if they want it but you know they're going to be in different values so I I don't know I have somebody come in and praise them and then what do you do so that whole concept is difficult. This is where I like planning in advance before somebody passes. So in your case, before you pass, so that you're helping your children resolve this. So they're not resolving that themselves. Life isn't fair. So money isn't fair mm -hmm. either. So going into that is that if there's somebody that really, really, really wants it and you feel that they're getting something with a little bit more value, maybe there's a trade somewhere else. Okay. Maybe there's a trade of, I don't know what it could look like. I've got some people that that are trading household items for a property. And the, the challenge with the property is if there's four kids involved, not everybody can afford the tax and the upkeep, nor could they buy out their siblings. You know, I mean, that's an idea too, is being able to buy out a sibling, but most people can't buy out siblings, especially if it's something is really valuable. So you have to just try to come up with the, what I consider to be the most fair. Like if somebody really loves that piece of art, you could either, you keep it this this year, I get it maybe next year or whatever, something like that. Or because you got that, I'm gonna give this, that may not have the same value, but I'm gonna earmark it for somebody else when I pass. So just kind of like try to come up with the fairness. If nobody's into it, sell it and put the money in the bank and then that's gonna get divided at some point. Mm -hmm. Like if no one's really into it based on the value, some people may don't want may not want to hurt your feelings and say, you know, I'm really not into it, mom. That's your style. But trying to find out nothing's fair, but trying to come exactly as fair as you can. What I see a lot of the challenges are more than that one particular piece is collections of items mm -hmm. because they're better off kept in a collection monetary wise. But when you've got four people, what about splitting it up, whether it's a coin collection, whether it's, I mean, as simple as Hummels that don't have the values, any value it used to have, but some of the silver doesn't have the value that it used to have because nobody wants to clean it and everybody wants to use the dishwasher, right? So yeah, that's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, yeah.
Interesting. I, I have one friend that um, when, his, when her husband died, he had some very valuable collections. She went in and they got everything appraised and then they gave the kids numbers and uh, they could decide like if they wanted the stamp collection, then, then it went in and it was appraised and then they had to figure out how the other people could, you know, equal it. And it feels really complicated. It feels like you're going to have to have somebody help you. Do you have any so, thoughts about helpers? <laughs> yes. So there's two different. Yes, that was a good question. There's two different types of helpers. There's somebody like a me that will come in and just theoretically, which is exhausting, not for me, but exhausting for the families, because it's theoretically what is it you're trying to do are you trying to create a memory book for your the next generation are you trying to divide up your possessions that are valuable but you know it's not even if it's it's a favorite hat who gets this favorite baseball hat it's not about whether it's a piece of art worth twenty thousand dollars a 599 hat that has grease marks on it might be more more protective you know emotionally than the piece of art so a third party talking to them is really important. And once the key items are decided, it's much less challenging for a estate seller, uh, auctioneer to come in and you know figure out the rest. But it's the families, in my opinion, have to figure out within themselves where they want to go. For example, my husband's um, family's from Turkey. And there's some properties over there that they're it's complicated. And I, I didn't want that complicated. I travel a lot, but I didn't want the complication of, I don't know the language. It's hard enough to get a contractor in America, you know, to, so it was divided up that way because it, it wasn't what Tanira and I wanted. However, we'll never go equal on the value of that, but we're okay with it because to me, it was it wasn't something that we wanted and somebody else in his family did. Hmm. Interesting. It was complicated. So it's not yeah. about petty to penny. It really isn't. And that's what I think people get hung up on is that listen, I, you know, some people want that 599 grease hat more than they want the twenty thousand dollar piece of art. And mm -hmm. you know, and it really, I mean you don't want your family to fall apart after you die. And sometimes that happens. More than sometimes, Gloria, more than sometimes. It's really sad, especially with these properties or biz home or family businesses that don't have a mm -hmm. plan in place because it's really, really hard for some kids. They have their own trajectory and they don't want to be in mom and dad's trajectory. Mm -hmm. Not no hurt, feelings hurt, but different, different, you know, desires. Well, my husband was very interesting because he was a minimalist, <laughs> to say yeah. the least. I remember my dad was a minimalist, and this actually created some problems after my brother died. Mm -hmm. um, my dad decided to, when my brother died to allow all his friends to go into his bedroom and take whatever they wanted. And, you know, they did that, and they took things that I wanted. And so, you know, they cleared out the bedroom and that actually was a, a little bit of a problem for me because I felt like, wait a minute, it's I should have gone in. My sisters and I should have gone in first and decided what we wanted before we opened up the floodgates to friends and neighbors. 
So thank you for, that's something to really important for the listeners. So in my book, I talk about the magic of six piles and the first pile, it, you know, I'm not saying exactly that it's in a pile, but you get the concept. It's Mark pile one. The first one is what you want and what you should, should, I'm using that word, should keep for your children or grandchildren. That's pile one. And you get to choose that. Okay. So in your case, it was keeping for your family right? So your family, you, your family, or your children or grandchildren. Second pile, I believe is it should be the pile that you want to share with friends and family and, you know, greater than your immediate, because his friend, your brother's friends did want a piece of him. So they deserve it. They deserve it. Like my husband's, I gave his running watch to his running buddy, Mark, because to me, Mark and Rod got to run every day. Rod got to still be out there as much as whoever thinks of how our bodies look later on. But, you know, he got to go out there and run at the same time as Mark got to still run with Rod. That's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. But you, as the as pile one, gets to choose what what gets to disseminate out. It's hard, though. It's really hard. And, and my dad, to, to no fault of his own, didn't even realize because he was a minimalist and he wasn't attached to things, he didn't even realize how how I would be attached or how that would feel for us, like his daughters. I mean, it didn't occur to him. So, <laughs> I'm laughing because when they went to college, she sent all their stuff to him. But not everybody's like that. I mean, come on. I, I tried really careful not to use the word hoard once in my book because what is a hoarder? It's in the eyes of the beholder. It's not, you know, whether you keep the newspapers in plastic containers from when you order out, that's very different than other things that you might have in the house that have the 40 pairs of black slacks. I mean, there's stuff that accumulates that you just got to sort through. My two questions that I ask people is, does it provide a connection to your loved one? Right? Does it tell a story? Okay. And if both of those are no, bye. Yeah. Well, you know, what was really coming up for me, and now I have three daughters, and what's really kind of for me, and I really appreciate the show today because we're going to have to talk about this because I have things in my house that that are my husband's. We bought them together, but they're, you know, they're him. So um, this is going to be, uh, and, and I will probably, uh, you know, should I live into my 90s? I will downgrade my my houses. So uh, when I do that, then I'm going to have to go through this process with his stuff. And right. I just, and the whole I, use my words sorting, thinning, and repurposing because I, you know, Rod's been gone for thirty years now, and I still have some stuff. Like I kept one scarf that will always remind me. I don't need forty scarves, you know. And so mm-hmm. I have one scarf, and it always stays in my scarf drawer. And you know, I do get probably pull it out every couple of years. But it's just that I don't need them all. I don't need, I don't need all that he gave me. I just need some, and people ask, um, uh, before you guys ask the question, I'll, I'll answer it. People ask all the time is, what do you say for your children when you want to, when they're young? Because right now, all they want is that little, I was going to try to find mine, but the phone, my, the phone, because it has their pictures, it has their contacts, it has everything they need. But as soon as they get a house and they get settled, there's a lot that they're going to want because they want nostalgic nostalgia too. Listen, uh, thank you so much for being on the show and give us your last piece of advice 
for somebody who's in the throes of deciding, uh, you know, has had an early loss, when do I start? So start is based on a trigger. Good, good ending question is based on a trigger. You're looking for something you need to move. You need to get the car in the garage. You need to, you know, you're in the office doing something. It's usually a trigger. And what I try to suggest to my readers, as well as my, when I do presentations or help them individually is to accept the trigger when it comes your way. All right. And where do people find you? On my website or through your website, um, Rachel Kadanas, K-O-D-A-N-A-Z.com. Um, books are available everywhere. Living with loss one day at a time, finding peace one piece at a time, trend on my titles, right? Grief in the workplace, comprehensive uh, guide for being prepared. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm around. I'd love to talk to anybody. Google me. It's Googleable. All right. And so Thank you for the time. So you do uh, workshops and you do personal, you'll come to my house and help these girls out, right? Well, I, but I probably, I would love to come to your house and, and, and break bread with your family, but I also could do it via electronics because oh, okay. a lot of people, that's a gift. There's a lot of gifts of COVID. That would be one, one big gift of a COVID that we could have a whole session and you don't have to physically be together because that camera, you know, you just walk around the house. You can go show them the closet and everything. Awesome. All right. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. And Thanks it's so great. Okay, Rachel, the thing I was a little distracted for a second for a reason. The reason, the most important thing in my apartment is this. At your this, this is my brother's sweater. And he was a big New York Jets fan. And he also played on the varsity football team in his high school. When my mother several years ago gave me this teddy bear with his sweater for a Christmas gift. And it has been an invaluable gift for me. So if you've got clothes out there and you don't know what to do with them, Carrie Bears is a place that will do this for you. That to you probably is more important than the $20,000 piece of art. A hundred percent. So mom, Absolutely. keep that in mind. It's not about being fair. It's about the Jersey. She got the Jersey and the Jersey's priceless. And as your other two daughters are on this call, she got the most priceless thing. They could have the piece of art. <laughs> love it, Rachel. That it's love not it. monetary. It's emotional. And you know, I did that years after Scott died because I had this box full of his stuff. And I said, or we had him hanging in the closet with plastic on it. Heather got the Letterman jacket. And so, yeah, I was saying to my husband, they're hanging in the closet. What the heck are we going to do with these? You know, we were moving. And uh, it, we did that. It, it was pretty profound at Christmas. I I had them all wrapped up and, oh, it, it takes my breath away now because when they open them, it's Christmas time. And, you know, first you look at it and think, what's that? You know, this is weird. And then they figured out and everybody went into a crying spell. But what I love to say was it was over in a minute and everybody was thrilled. Right, but the the crying spell is good cries. It's the, it's that's keeping everything right. Absolutely. In your heart. Well, thank you again for being on the show and for being the great person you are. And ditto to you guys. Thank you so much for yep. all that you do to bring hope to the world. Hey, and thanks everybody for joining us on this show today. And Heidi and I always want to remind you that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own. And God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts, 
to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation, where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.